Hey y'all, this is Sam. And this is Steven. And this is Criminology. This is episode 48. Um, so let's just get started. I don't really have an intro. Let's just get started. Um, I do kind of, I do start off every episode talking about how I came across this case, but I don't have a cool story. Um, just a simple Google search for <laughs> serial killers, which is what I tend to do on my free time now. And I found his case. But I will say I don't think I knew about this person we're talking about until I started researching him. So we're talking about Keith Jesperson, who was a serial killer in the 90s. He's also he's known for having murdered eight women between 1990 and 1995. And he was a long haul truck driver during this time. And he left bodies in Oregon, California. Florida, Nebraska, and Washington. Um, so now we're going to talk about, we're going to start with talking about the list of his victims first. So first, we have Tanja Bennett, who was killed on January 21st, 1990. The two met at a bar in Oregon, where Keith convinced her to go back to the house he was renting at the time. There, he assaulted and strangled her to death. On August 30th, 1992, a woman's body was discovered in California. She also had been assaulted and strangled. This woman's identity still remains unknown, but Keith said her name was Claudia. So that's kind of interesting. I, I know we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but like it's kind of interesting that really it was almost like two full years before he killed his next part, next lady. Right, like, yeah. and then I mean, I know we'll we'll talk more about this, but like, after that, it seems a little bit more like consistent, if that's the right word. Right. But like, it 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 seems more. Later on, it's more patterned, but this is like, you know, a year and how many ever months eight months later. Right. Is his second, so that's right. that's kind of interesting to me, just as a right off the bat. Yeah. Right. So a month later. Cynthia Rose's body was found in California, and Keith said she was a sex worker who he met at a truck stop, and she was assaulted and strangled. November 1992, body of Lori Pentland was found in Oregon. Keith also said she was a sex worker who was also assaulted and strangled. June 3rd, 1993, another unidentified woman's body was found, who Keith said her name was Cindy, and they met at a truck, uh, sorry, at a truck stop in California. September 1994, another unidentified body was found in Florida, who Keith said her name was Susanna. And then January 1995, Angela Surprise met Keith at a bar in Washington. They spent several days together, so when Keith strangled and killed her, he left her body in Nebraska. And then the last victim is Julie Winningham, was Keith's last victim. She was killed on March 10th, 1995, and her body was found the next day. Julie was known as Keith's girlfriend, so this was when Keith is looked at as a suspect. And so going back to what you said... Keith claims to have as many as 160 victims, but only these eight women have been confirmed. So, th- I, and 
like what you said about how there's two years between the first and the second victim. Right. But it's also wild that more than half of his victims, their their identities are still unknown to this day. So that fact being known, who knows if right how many victims he actually did have the fact that half of them that we confirmed and we know were his, we don't even know their names. So, like, I, I just did some quick math just because I was curious, but, like, between – so, if it really was, like, 100 and, 160, like he right. says, over a six-year span, that's, like, 20 – basically rounding up is 27 per year. You're, like – that's literally two or three people a month. That's that's one person every two weeks. That's wild. That's just I mean, if we're going off this hundred and sixty number, right? That is just absolutely crazy to think about, I and do. especially if all these people are like, oh yeah, and then you're just like, if he did make up these names for these ladies of like, oh yeah, her name was you know right, whatever. Right. It that's just it's wild to me to think about, and it's. It's very interesting to me. I mean, it makes sense because he's an over-the-road truck driver. So, right. you know, you can go. He could literally, that's what I was thinking. He could pick somebody up in Oklahoma and then drive to California and drop your body off. Yep. And then, of course, nobody, I mean, you might have people in Oklahoma who are looking for you. But then in California, nobody knows who you are. Yeah. Well, and, Wild. and kind of what I deal with at work is like, is transportation stuff so basically it's like i mean i know things have changed in the last 30 years i'm sure with that but like basically it's like you can drive like 500 miles a day right or like x amount of hours right so literally like you know like if if we have items going up to either like up in the northeast somewhere or out in california it's like all right we'll ship it on friday and they'll be there monday morning right and so i mean it's just like it's fairly easy to cover a lot of ground. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fairly quickly. So. So, on March 30th, 1995, Keith is arrested after he turns himself in for the murder of Julie. Before turning himself in, he wrote a letter to his brother confessing to all of the murders of these eight women. He is currently serving three consecutive life sentences in Oregon. So now let's talk about how he gets the nickname, the Happy Face Killer, because this is kind of wild. So in the beginning of Miss Bennett's investigation, um, Keith's first victim, a lady named Laverne read about Miss Bennett's death in the paper, and she sees it all over TV. She sees this as the perfect opportunity to get out of the abusive relationship that she was in at the time by confessing to the murder. That's right. a very interesting strategy. So hmm. she sets up a meeting with investigators where she tells them a false confession. And she tells them that her boyfriend at the time forced her to help, help him rape, murder, and dispose of Miss Bennett's body. And then on February 8th, 1991, they were both convicted of murder. So the boyfriend was sentenced to life in prison while Laverne was sentenced to 10 years, a lot more than she was planning on getting. So after time goes by, she then tells authorities that she was making the whole thing up, but her claims were ignored. 
So she serves about five years before both of them were released from prison. So first, wild that this even happens. Second, that she doesn't see a way out of the relationship besides confessing to a murder she didn't do. And then actually have to go through and like affect their lives like that. And I just go back to how pretty much every episode where we talk about how long it takes for the court to convict someone of a crime after they're arrested. And here we have two people that are convicted of this crime. And then a couple of weeks, like a couple of weeks after the body is discovered. I mean, I guess I get it because they have someone who's like, hey, it's us. We did it. But it's not even like they don't even give details that like only the killer would know. They just give details that the police already know. So it's not like they've got the this incriminating evidence. You're just like, hey, we did it. And the police are like, all right, go to jail. All right, congratulations. Right. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Go to jail. That's... And and obviously, this I'm going to take the stance now. I'm going to take the opposite stance of what I normally do. This is why the justice system is so screwed up. <laughs> right. The justice system can never win. No, not. We're, I'm just going to. That's what I'm going to talk about next week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's just so weird that. I mean, I get it because, you know, if you can put somebody away for murder, like, you're going to do that. Right. No question about it. You're going to go, hey, these people confessed. Here's, I don't know if, if right. you want to call it closure or whatever, but like, this is like here the this is the people that did it right even though they did it this you know this is who they so i think that's very that's definitely not something i was reading over and i apparently just skimmed and (laughs) did read that so it's just it blows my mind that i mean number one there's a lot more i can dig into on this (laughs) but like that blows my mind to for some people like that's the way you've got to get out of a right. relationship. First like, off, number yeah. one, like okay, there's a whole lot deeper that I'm not even gonna right. try to dive into. But like, just that mindset of just like, oh yeah, uh, this is the way I can get out. Like that's crazy to me. I know. Number two, it's kind of funny to me that she's like she gets ten years. That's a oh crap. Uh, <laughs> oh dang. I was hoping for like you I know wait. like six months or like a month. You know. Right. Oh man, yeah, that that's one of those like it's like a ew. And she's like, hey, hey, uh, so funny story. Didn't actually do it, right? So man. I guess like when we talk about how long, I mean, I guess in other cases, like for us, it's a very clean cut case. Like, right. oh, this is the person. But I guess in those instances, like you have to make sure that you know that you know that you know where versus this case is someone literally coming up to you and saying hey we did this um but it's also just wild that like i'm assuming the boyfriend was like yeah, no like i wasn't involved in any of this and that's a whole another side of it is right. the fact that this girl's like, no, we did it. We did it. And the boyfriend's like, no, we didn't. We didn't. And the, he gets life in prison. Wild. I mean, and another part I was just thinking of just like, it's so funny to me. Of course, you know, we talk about this a lot too of like how technology has changed mm-hmm. in the last, even last like 10 years. Right. I was like, could you not test like DNA 
and be like, oh yeah, this is them? Or were they just, I'm guessing they were, whoever the police department was, they were just like, yep, works for us. We got a confession. Um, probably. Because I mean, like, I would think, I would think, I would hope that, especially if I don't even want to be in that situation, but like if I was in that situation of like, oh yeah, yeah, if you like, if you framed me for murder. Like, I would hope it would be like, uh, and then, you know, DNA and all that kind of good stuff of like, oh, no, it actually wasn't him. (laughs) Wild. Wild. Okay, so I didn't actually talk about, now we're actually getting into the part of why he's called the happy face killer. So while all this is going on with Laverne, Keith writes his confession to the murder to Miss Bennett on a bathroom stall in a truck stop. And he adds a little smiley face onto it. Now, when his bathroom confession doesn't get the attention he wants, he starts writing letters to media outlets and police departments confessing to the various murders. And then while adding a smiley face to him, which gets him the nickname, the happy face color. That's a, once again, bold move of like, this is me. I'm doing this. Right. You know? That it's, is a trend that you see in serial killers. Serial killers, I always, I always say this, and I think of one lady in our community. Um, but it's because serial killers, they always they like want to be involved. So like that's why a lot of times when you have somebody who's missing and that you do a search, like. they're they're one of the first people there they're one of the first people there they're there afterwards like they're making sure they're involved they want to like we've done other cases where like the the serial killer was friends with the cops and like getting all the information from the cops and so this him confessing on a bathroom stall and the police aren't all over this bathroom stall like who wrote this and he doesn't get the attention he wants because he's like, hey, I'm important. <laughs> like, make a big deal about me. Like, that's something that serial killers want is that big, like, yeah, that, yeah. famous, I guess, They status. want that attention. Which is, I mean, that's like everybody now. So, right, you right. know, whatever. But no, I think this was a very... It, this one sounded familiar to me when you first showed it to me. And I was like, okay, this, like... I. It sounds vaguely familiar, but, like, I couldn't tell you, like, oh, yeah, this, this, and that. Also, going back to it, it's very interesting that, I know we we talked about it already, but it's just, like, it's crazy to me, especially if he's based out of, like, somewhere on the West Coast, Mm -hmm. that, like, he dropped that body in Florida. Right. Like, if, if that was me, like, I'd be, like, wherever I'm based out of, I'd be taking the bodies way far away. Right, right. And so that way, it's just, like... And especially if you can, like, you know, correlate it on a trip or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, I went out there and took this out there, da-da-da. And then that way, it doesn't seem near as suspicious. Right, right. So, I don't know. Just, that's that's what my brain's thinking today. So It's wild. So, this was a Very good case. Very crazy. Yeah, good one. So, that was episode 48. So, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back with Stephen's Corner. All right, now we're going to do Stephen's Corner. This is where Stephen gets to talk about wherever, whatever Stephen wants to talk about. So, since the Olympics start next week, 
we're we're gonna do Olympic stuff next week because the Olympics to me is like we talked about last week. It's just it's very fascinating. Right. So um, next week will also be a year of criminology. So I decided since we're talking about Olympics next week, I've got to just go back to the original. We're going back to Florida Man for this week. This one was just so outlandish, as all Florida Mans are. Uh, but this happened back in January of 2019. So the the headline is this: Florida man finds grenade while fishing, takes it to Taco Bell. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, he was uh, using a magnet to search uh, the water for salvaged items. Um, a fisherman pulled up a World War II hand grenade. Wow. Uh, uh, around uh, Ocala, Florida, which is about 80 miles northwest of Orlando. Um, he then threw the grenade in his trunk and drove to Taco Bell. Then that's when he called the police. Um, you know, they say they say those Taco Bell, uh, that's explosive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There was my one joke I had to make. <laughs> Uh, they've evacuated the Taco Bell, but it was later reopened. Um, it's actually kind of wild on this article that we'll, we'll put in the, the Facebook post of, um, it actually, Ocala police actually posted a picture of it. It's kind of wild cause it's just like, oh yeah, that definitely looks like one. So, um, you know, the, it, they later verified it, you know, was the, hand grenade and the bomb squad had removed it without incident so there you go just you know good old florida man bringing a bringing the explosiveness to a taco bell (laughs) wow in more than one ways probably well there you go that's florida man for you yep (laughs) there you go that's a nice it's a nice turnaround way to Sure, if you want in to call the season. It yeah. <laughs> um, perfect. All right. Episode 48. Um, make sure to follow us on social medias at Crimology Pod. We've got an email, crimologypod at gmail.com. Make sure to leave us a review. Um, give us five stars, all of the good stuff. Um, and just thank you guys for listening. We'll do we'll save all the sappy one year stuff for next week. Um <laughs> So, going to leave that here. Episode 48. We're going to play our nice classical music next week for our thank yous. But not right now. (laughs) So, like always, this is Sam. This is Steven. And this is Crimology. 